It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Merry Christmas, Magic fans. Two things happened on Saturday night. We have an all-star. And the Orlando Magic found some maturity. A big, big Saturday night. We can't wait till after the holiday to talk about it. Let's do it now. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Indeed, Locked On Magic. Today is December 24th, 2023. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, the Orlando Magic defeat the Indiana Pacers and did it in a most fun way possible um, with defense, by being themselves, by rolling with the punches, but also by... Truly developing an all-star. We'll talk about Paolo Bancaro's all-star credentials that he's already developed and what he did to the Pacers, plus how the Magic kept on swimming and scored a huge win. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, this great Locked On, Ma- Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Let's start with Paolo Banquero, um, because we don't talk enough about him. Um, we don't talk enough about what we're seeing from him and, and why this season is just so special. Um, you know, it, it, it has been a long time since the Magic have had a player doing the things that Paolo Banquero is doing. It has been a long time since the Magic have had a guy that does this. And and let me just make this perfectly clear as well. This is still the worst he is going to be. For as good as he is now, there is every indication that he is only going to get better. That he is still making so many mistakes. And so if if I am preaching patience on a larger scale with this team, It's because I know that the core of this group is going to get a lot better. And you can see it getting a lot better in real time. Paolo Bancaro on Saturday turned in what can only be described as an all-star performance. Let's throw the stats up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. 34 points, 11 for 20 shooting, 12 for 16 from the foul line, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. He did have 3 turnovers. He's still learning and making mistakes. He scored 23 points. At the half, making 7 of 8 field goals, 9 of 11 from the foul, and he had 3 assists and 2 of his 3 turnovers in that first half at the Magic. Frankly, just dominated. On top of all this, Bancaro did not take a single 3 in the game. 
He was determined to get to the basket. He was determined to put pressure on the rim, to take it to Indiana's defense. And look, Indiana was slow and terrible in the first half. He destroyed them. Just like he did in that first game against the Pacers this year, and he had, what, 25 at halftime or something like another huge first half. He sought out mismatches and just punished whatever Indiana threw at him. He even had the, the, the gall to take on Miles Turner and, and to target Miles Turner at times, which was not a good decision, and he learned that the hard way. This was, again, quite simply just a star performance. And it isn't just that he had the big first half. In a close game late, with the Magic needing buckets to pull away, Bancaro hit two absolutely crucial shots and made so many just crucial plays, just soaking up attention to help the Magic put this game away. Franz Wagner said after the game, he was asked, uh, I believe by Josh Cohen of OrlandoMagic.com, what makes Paolo an all-star? And Franz Wagner, and, and I want to write and talk more specifically about Franz on our next episode on Tuesday, um, Franz Wagner said, you know, look, he's a big part of the reason why, he might be the reason why this team is where it's at because of all the attention he soaks up because of the way defenses throw double teams at him and his unselfishness, to be perfectly honest, to find teammates and to keep teammates involved and to try and make the right play, even if he's making some mistakes in the process. I know I've said this a million times. So much of this season is just about Paolo figuring out what a good shot is, what a bad shot is, when to seek his own, when to be a playmaker. And look, he has struggled with that, and that's okay. You know, we'll talk trade deadline, I think, a little bit on Tuesday's episode too. So much of this season is about that development. And so it's okay not to be perfect yet. You want him to learn these things. You want him to make some of these mistakes. And that's why Van Caro is an all-star already. Now, let's 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 pull the microscope out a little bit from just this game on Saturday. We're going to talk more about Saturday's game specifically here in the second segment. Bancaro has continued to have stellar performances. Even a game like Thursday night against Milwaukee when he scored just 23 points uh, on terrible shooting, that was a bad game. And again, I want you to appreciate that this is not something that happens in Magic history. So far this year, he has two 35-point games, putting 42 points up against the Cleveland Cavaliers, as well as 36 points in last week's game against the Boston Celtics. And that puts him in a very specific and exclusive club in Magic history. Um, Entering Saturday's game, he was averaging 20.7 points per game with 6.9 rebounds per game and 4.5 assists per game. All improvements from his rookie year. Uh, Outside of his free throw shooting, his efficiency is up as well. In December, entering Saturday's game, he was averaging 24 points per game, 8 rebounds per game, and 4.4 assists per game. That has surely gone up as, as the Magic close out December. This absolutely puts Bancaro in an all-star class. But like I said, he is doing things that the Magic have not seen in a very long time. Bancaro already has two games, and he fell just a point short of, two, of three games. Bancaro has two games of 35 points or more this season. He's the first Magic player with multiple 35-point games in the season since Nikola Vucevic in 2021. The team as a whole has only 25 35-point games since the 2014 season. In the last decade, Paolo Bancaro is two of the 25 35-point games 
in Magic history, and they've all come this season. In fact, going back to that 42-point performance he had against Cleveland, really the only reason the Magic were in that game, Orlando was only 13 40-point games since Tracy McGrady left the team in 2004, and only eight since Dwight Howard's departure in 2012. Paolo Bancaro has a quarter, two of the eight 40-point games since 2012 in the last decade. On top of this, Paolo Bancaro is now working on back-to-back 20-point-per-game seasons. If he is able to accomplish that, he will be the first Magic player to do that since Dwight Howard's final two seasons in Orlando again in the last decade. If if Franz Wagner is able to stick to 20 points per game, and he had a very nice game uh, on Saturday, if he's able to stick to 20 points per game, the Magic will have their first teammates to average 20 points per game in the same season since Shaq and Penny in 1996. Again, what Paolo is doing this year are things that only the elite Magic players do. Look, Victor Oladipo did it a few times. He was an all-star eventually. Aaron Gordon had a flash, a couple flash-in-the-pan games that showed off his scoring potential, but he never did it consistently. And he never did it multiple times. And obviously, my favorite stat, of course, the last Magic player before Paolo Bancaro, who was not a center to average 20 points per game for the Magic, was Steve Francis back in 2005. An all-star caliber player that season, at least. Paolo Bancaro has put himself in that group. And look, Jason Tatum, Joel Embiid, and Giannis Antetokounmpo are going to be the all-star starters for the Eastern Conference among forwards. But I would be hard-pressed to believe that Paolo Bancaro is not an all-star already. Frankly, I, I will say it, is not an all-star already. He's competing for a potential all-star spot on the reserve group with Christophe Porzingis, with Julius Randle, with Jimmy Butler, with Bam Adebayo, with Jared Allen, Scotty Barnes, and Pascal Siakam. Maybe throw DeMar DeRozan in there as well. I think he might be a guard. I don't know exactly how it's categorized. But, you know, Randall, Bar- Randall Barnes and probably Adebayo are all realistic candidates. And I'm not here to say Bancaro blows them out of the water. But if team success does matter in this thing, the Magic will get at least one All-Star as a four seed. If they stay in the four, five, six seed by the time the coaches vote in late January... Paolo Bancaro will be an all-star. He's put up the numbers. He's making the impact. He's doing everything that the Magic need from him. And everybody recognizes it. Again, it's the coaches that vote on the reserves. So if Paolo is going to be reserved, he is going to get there. And the more he puts in unstoppable performances like the one he did Saturday night, the sooner it's going to happen, the more sure it's going to happen. Paolo Bancaro is going to be an all-star. Like he, I, I was a little skeptical of some people who said that, oh, he's going to make it as a second-year player at the beginning of the season. I thought, you know, I think he'll get close, but I don't know if the Magic will be there as a team. The Magic are there as a team. Paolo is there as a player. Paolo Bancaro will be an all-star. And he had another all-star performance Saturday night. The big takeaway, though, from Saturday was not about an individual performance. It was about how the team responded. We're going to talk about the Magic's poise and maturity coming up here in just a moment. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league— 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. Locked On Sports now has the first ever 24-7 sports channel on YouTube. Check out Locked On Sports Today to hear from local experts like me, as well as our national shows breaking down all the major games and major events in the sports world. It's obviously going to be a busy Sunday with the NFL, busy weekend with NFL action throughout throughout the week. Um, So uh, throughout the weekend uh, and obviously the Christmas games on Monday, Definitely be sure, be sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube today. Okay, this week has been a week about maturity. At the end of the day, everyone is talking about the shooting. And look, I'm, I will repeat this. I am not here to ignore or diminish the Magic shooting struggles. The Magic need to hit shots, plain and simple, they need to make some threes. In this game, they were six for 18 on threes. They didn't take a lot, um, but they still shot only 33.3%. Indiana hit 15. If you're looking for a reason why the Pacers stayed in this game, despite some decent defense, uh, despite a great game plan by Orlando that was executed largely very well. I'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, three-point shooting is still a big deal, and, and the Magic are constantly working uphill on this three-point math. Just plain and simple. The Magic, as far as trying to make the playoffs or make a real serious playoff run, we know what this team needs. So I'm not here to diminish the shooting. But this week was not about the shooting. The losses to Miami, the loss to Milwaukee, was not about the shooting. It was about this team's poise and composure. It was about figuring out how do we as a team respond to runs respond to the other team hitting a bunch of threes forget us not being able to hit threes forget the magic not being able to hit threes how do we respond to miami's five three-pointers in the last five and a half minutes how do we respond to milwaukee hitting four threes i think in the first half of that third quarter to take control of that game and frankly better against milwaukee you know same thing happened in the two losses to boston how do you respond to that run by Jalen Brown in the fourth quarter? How do you respond to the threes of Celtics hit late in that first quarter in the in the first game? This four-game losing streak against some very good teams. Let's be real. We saw what Boston just did on Saturday to the LA Clippers on the road. We've seen what Milwaukee's doing to everybody right now. No shame losing on the road to those teams. The Miami loss stings a little bit more, but again, Miami is not a bad team even without Jimmy Butler. This week was really about how the Magic respond and, and their maturity and both understanding how to respond to, to a loss and, and adjust after a loss, but how they respond within the game. If I were could be critical of anything that the Magic did in those four losses, it was that they settled. Instead of trying to work their way back and whittle their way back into the lead and, and stay in the game and stick to who they are, they started jacking up threes. They started taking too many threes or 
not doing the things they have to do to win. And we know what those things are. Um, you know, again, three-point shooting, I'm not saying it's unimportant, but three-point shooting isn't essential for this team's success. They make up that ground with by controlling the glass. They make up that ground by winning the paint, by dominating the paint at times. They make up that ground by getting to the foul line. They live in the paint. And they didn't do that against Boston. They didn't do that against Miami. And for and, and for at least a four or five minute stretch, they didn't do it against Milwaukee. The Milwaukee game was a lot better. And players said, you know, we played a good game against Milwaukee. We just missed shots. And you can live if that's the case. Um, but the question is, how do you respond? And honestly, I am very geeked about this game on Saturday. And and and, and I got double geeked because my, my Wildcats won the Las Vegas Bowl. Um, but uh, that, that's the that's the NBA paint hat. That's the 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 uh, home, the uh, oh shoot, I forgot what the company's name is. Um, just that's the throwback shirt. Um, but the reason why I am so geeked about this game is this young team showed an incredible amount of maturity. Indy, Orlando dominated the first half. Like, yeah, Indiana hit some threes and the three-point defense needed to tighten up. But Orlando dominated the first half. They led by 14 at the break. They led by as much as 15. They were just eviscerating Indiana's interior defense. Anything Orlando wanted in the paint, they got. They scored like 40 points. They scored like 42 points in the paint or something like that in the first half. They got to the line for 29 free throws. Rick Carlisle said after the game, that the Pacers cannot afford to get punched in the mouth before they start playing hard. The Magic just tore them up. And the only reason Indiana was in the game is because the same the reason why Indiana's in every game is they have the best offense in the league. Um, and Orlando did a good job shutting it down. I'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, but as expected, the Pacers came out with a little bit more fire in the second half. And that 14-point lead, it took six and a half minutes. But the Pacers took the lead. They went on a 22 to 4. They went on a 22 to 4 run, I believe, to take the lead. Orlando's off or 22 to 8 run to, to tie the game. Orlando's offense struggled to get downhill, struggled to get in the paint. Miles Turner plate was a lot more active defending the rim. Uh, the Magic didn't get to the foul line. They only had four free throws in the quarter. It wasn't that they were settling for threes, but the, the, their turnovers went up. They had five turnovers in the third quarter. That enabled Indiana to get back in the game. And yes. Indiana made some shots. They made some tough threes. I think they hit five threes in that third quarter. Um, and so you knew Indiana was going to make the run. What you didn't know was how Orlando would respond. Whether Orlando would let losing a 14-point lead turn into trailing by six or seven by the end of the quarter. Whether Orlando would be able to stop the bleeding. And look, Jamal Mosley took a timeout fairly early into that run uh, when it got down to seven, when the 14-point lead got down to six or seven. You know, gave them that little reset. They came out, maybe hung around a little bit longer, but eventually they gave up the lead. And again, I think I know some people were critical of the the timeout strategy there, um, but I do give Jamal Mosley credit because he's trying to teach this team something, trying to teach them to figure out problems on their own. Because in the playoffs, they're going to have to do that. Um, late executing late in games, they're going to have to do that. Uh, and so again, uh, the one thing I, I still believe wholeheartedly about Jamal Mosley is he always understands the big picture of what this team needs. He's coaching them for April. He's not necessarily coaching them for today. If they fail today, it's a lesson learned for April. Problem is you just don't want to fail too much. But Orlando got themselves right. 
Cole Anthony and Gary Harris hit huge back-to-back threes late in that quarter. Orlando was able to go back up by five and lead by one at the end of the third quarter. And that may not sound like much, but if there's one truth we know about the NBA, it's that everybody has a run. You knew the Pacers were going to close that gap from 14 points. You knew they were going to make a push. And the question was always going to be, how did the Magic respond? And sure, Orlando responded too late. They let Indiana take the lead very briefly. But a lot of young teams, especially young teams on the road against an opponent that requires so much of your attention in Indiana, I think a lot of young teams would have splintered. I think, I think a lot of young teams would have lost this game. And would have been in big trouble. The Magic, though, were not. The Magic, though, did not play that way. Instead, the Magic, the Magic, quite frankly, looked strong. The Magic maybe needed a longer moment to compose themselves, but they dominated the fourth quarter. They won the fourth quarter 24 to 18. And again, some late shots by Indiana there. They held them in check, made them play their game, got them in the mud, got back to playing defense, won the paint, got back to the foul line. I think they had six or seven free throws in the quarter. And again, a lot of those maybe a little bit later in the the quarter, but Orlando got back to who they are. They didn't forget who they are and what built them that lead and made them successful. And yeah, they made some key plays and some key shots along the way. Like that stuff matters. You got to make shots to win in this league. And what's so impressive to me and why this, this win is so feels so significant is the Magic showed a lot of poison maturity. That's an easy game for them to lose. Uh, in, an Indiana team that is an excellent offensive team that puts a lot of pressure on you, that forces you to pay attention on everything because they're coming at you so fast. And they're looking for threes. They're hunting for threes. A team that puts that much pressure on you that was rolling through the third quarter. Orlando lost their lead, but they didn't lose themselves. And hopefully that's a lesson they carry forward because it's a lesson they struggled with against Boston, struggled with against Miami, found a little bit against Milwaukee, and executed perfectly against Indiana to get the win. That was a really impressive win. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it, go back into League Pass. League Pass was free on Saturday, so I think that game might be available. Go back and watch that game again. That was was magic basketball. That was really exciting to see. We'll go through the final box score, talk about individual performances coming up here in just a moment. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring, but for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. 
Sometimes you and I need that kind of support too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, as we typically do, I, have, I can't say always do because I think I skipped a game, but as we typically do, let's go through the final box score, talk about individual performances from the Orlando Magic's win over the Indiana Pacers. Again, the, the things that I look at when I see this, when I get the box score after every game, I go to points in the paint. Magic won that 64 to 40. Orlando had, let me get the number right here. Orlando had 42 points in the paint. In the first half, just pure dominance inside. That's that's just such a big step. Orlando had five blocks in the game as well. Um, they shot 53.4%. Like I said, only six for 18 from beyond the arc. Um, Indiana nearly made as many threes as the Magic took. Orlando is a low-volume three-point shooting team. That's okay. The way Orlando makes this up is with free throws. And Orlando got 41 free throw attempts in the game. Like, Rick Carlisle, and I think the Pacers were complaining a little bit about that. They had 29 at the half. I, there are a lot of Magic fans who were like upset with the foul calls in the second half because they were a little bit different. Um, but also Orlando wasn't nearly as aggressive in that third quarter, getting, getting downhill. Indiana was a lot better defensively. Indiana was just a step late on everything, and Orlando just punished them for it. Paolo Bancaro had 16 free throws by himself. It's 12 for 16. He took more free throws in this game than Indiana took as a team. Indiana was only 9 for 13 from the foul line. Um, and Indiana, I think, was complaining about that disparity, but also Indiana doesn't attack the basket. They shoot a lot of threes. Orlando's a really strong defensive team. They really do a good job uh, packing the paint. They do a really good job kind of holding their ground. Um, this was a, again, this is magic basketball. How did the magic make up a nine three-point difference? They get to the foul line a whole lot more than you do. And yes, Orlando needs to make free throws more. They need to be better at making their free throws. Um, but this was a, a, a strong game. Um, as I noted earlier, Paolo Bancaro, 34 points, 11 for 20 shooting, 12 to 16 from the line, seven rebounds, four assists, just a superstar game. We also got to give a shout out to Franz Wagner. Franz Wagner at 24 points, eight for 14 shooting, eight for eight from the foul line, did miss his two three-point three attempts, six rebounds as well. Franz, I think Franz knows the shot isn't falling for him. And it's not that he's afraid to take it. He missed two uh, of those shots and they were open. Um, I think, or one of them was a step back. One of them was an open three. Um, but he is still finding ways to attack. He is still finding ways to be aggressive, be assertive. And, he, and he's made it a focus to get in the paint more this year uh, and get to the basket a little bit more this year. Um, especially now that his shot is just not there for some reason. He is attacking really, really well. And Indiana had no answer for him. Like Indiana was not super interested in defending the paint. Uh, and Wagner just was able to get inside whenever he really wanted to get there. Uh, he hit, he took eight free throw attempts as well. That's been a, an area that he has grown a lot this year is with his free throw shooting and or his ability to get to the line. His free throw shooting's down a little bit this year from last year. Um, but like Franz paced this team through a lot of things too. Had a big, he drew a foul on a three-pointer in, in the fourth quarter. That was huge. I think that extended the lead out to, to seven. Um, a really, again, Franz is figuring out how to still be impactful. And, and, and I think that needs to be made clear that while Franz, may, his outside shot maybe isn't where the Magic needed to be or, or has been in the past, he is still he is still finding ways to be an impactful player. And, and that that's important. Um, 
a lot of criticism has been thrown at Gary Harris. Got to give him credit for this game. He always plays big when he's in Indianapolis. 15 points, 5 for 9, shooting 2 for 4. From the from the uh, three-point line, 3 for 3 from the foul line. Um, did have three turnovers. Was maybe a little loose there. But, uh, you know, I really liked his game. He didn't look to settle for his threes. He didn't just kind of jack up threes only. He attacked a little bit. Got, got that mid-range game going. Made sure that he made a, a big impact in this game. Um, Anthony Black deserves a mention here. Eight points, two for three shooting, four for four from the foul line, three rebounds, two assists. And and as Jamal Mosley just consistently says, the box score does not really tell you his impact. That dude is just a great defender already. Um, Then the Magic were essentially switching every screen on Tyrese Halliburton uh, for a good chunk of this game. And so Tyrese was hunting Anthony Black. He wanted the rookie on him. And Anthony Black was up to the challenge, man. He he held his ground and looked. Tyrese Halliburton made shots. 29 points, 12 for 22 shooting, 14 assists. Like Tyrese Halliburton does a lot of good work for this, this Pacers team. Um, but Black, I thought, really held his own um against an all-star player. Uh he's he he makes a lot of winning plays. And again, that's stuff that doesn't show up on a box or he, you know, some tip to rebound, some tips to, to get rebounds for the magic. Uh, this the way the magic were defending. Essentially, their defense was deny Halliburton the ball in the backcourt, meet him at the three-point line. You know, meet whoever's there at the three-point line, force the, you know, force whoever's passing to pass back out into the into their hands. Like there's very, very key emphasis on showing hands. Like the magic defense was, you know, I know they they gave up like 113 points per round possessions, 110 points for the game. The magic defense was really good. Indiana does not score 110 points. Like the joke that the pay, that Brick Carlo made was they held the Magic under 120. 117 is obviously a good offensive game for Orlando, but no no team really holds this Pacers team under 110. Like that that was an impressive defensive performance from the Magic. Even though the Pacers shot 44.1 percent from floor and 52.4 or 44.1 percent three, 52.4 percent from from the floor overall, that was an impressive defensive defensive game for for Orlando. Um, you know, again, 18 points in the fourth quarter just says it all. Cole Anthony off the bench at 12 points, 4 for 11 shooting. Mo Wagner had 9 points on a perfect 3 for 3. Jonathan Isaac, 3 blocks, 4 points for him. A really nice game for him. Caleb Houston hit hit two three-pointers, two of them big three-pointers in the second half. 6 points for him. The Magic's bench just dominated. Goga Batadze came in, played like the end of the first half, end of the second half. Big defensive boost. And, and I'm going to talk about Wendell Carter here in a minute. Goga Batadze just gave this team a huge defensive boost. And, and just for the minutes that he was out there, 11-26, blocked shots, rebounded. You know, wasn't drop coverage. I didn't love the Magic's drop coverage in this game, but just really, really solid. And, and then, you know, we do have to talk about Wendell Carter. This game was a struggle for him. Four points, did have eight rebounds, two for six from the floor, four assists. Um, So I do think he's doing good things. Um, I think you could very much tell that he's still getting comfortable out there, that he's still getting in rhythm. And so, you know, I, I'm telling a lot of match fans, you, you got to give him time, man. You got to give him some games to get into a rhythm. His second half wasn't good this game. Like, Miles Turner kind of got him a little bit uh, with some deep post position and and uh, and got him a little bit in, in the second half. But first half, Wendell, I thought, was very, very good. You know, you could see that he just gives you a little bit more versatility on defense. And I think that matters. Indiana was killing Orlando's drop coverage, whether it was uh, uh, Batadze or Bogner, especially if Halliburton could get Cole Anthony switched on him. Um, 
the Magic need Wendell Carter to be able to set a strong, firm line, be able to get out on Halliburton, uh, on a player like Halliburton if needed, and, and he did a few times and did, you know, acquitted himself well. Um, they need a guy like Wendell Carter. And and again, just you just got to give him some time. This was not a great game for him. He definitely seems to still be lacking some explosiveness and, and maybe some confidence uh, around the basket and confidence in his hand. But the only way he's going to get that is by playing. And so I think the Magic have to continue kind of on this strategy with how he's playing. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, like I said, 29 points, 14 rebounds. Miles Turner had 24 points, 7 rebounds. Andrew Nemhard at 17. Buddy Heald had 20, including 5 for 11 shooting from 3. But the Magic's bench dominates, and I do mean dominates, the Indiana bench. That's where Orlando built their lead in the second half. That's where Orlando, or in the first half, that's where Orlando regained the lead and control of the game in the in the second half. And then the Magic were able to close the game out with a strong effort from Paolo Bancaro once again. The Orlando Magic defeat the Indiana Pacers 117-110. to They are actually heading back home for Christmas. They, they're flying back home uh, Saturday night. They could be home Sunday, fly fly up to Washington D.C. sometime Monday, so they do get to spend Christmas with their family, which is just awesome. Great that the schedule allowed that. Um, but they'll be back in action Tuesday against the Washington Wizards. We'll have coverage of that game here on Locked On Magic. But that's gonna do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, tune in him on Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all from listening on podcast to your podcast enables advice. device you can check us out on youtube as well if you want to see see me uh, on the podcast as well for the latest on the orlando magic be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com you can follow us on twitter at omagicdaily be sure to check out my patreon page the orlando magic hub that's at patreon.com slash orlando magic hub I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Everyone, please, please, please enjoy your holiday weekend. We will be off on Monday. We'll be back with you on Tuesday to chat about the Magic at the trade deadline, to chat maybe a little Franz Wagner all-star case as well. We'll talk about plenty more, but I want you all to have a very Merry Christmas, uh, regardless of how you celebrate it, celebrate it, um, even if it's like me by going to a movie and eating some Chinese food. That's my plan for tomorrow. I'm finally going to see The Boy and the Heron, hopefully, um, since now it's moving out of theaters, which I'm not thrilled about. But uh, but I want to I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Enjoy your holiday weekend. And until next time, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Phil Prosper Mike. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.